What infielders can achieve a top five finish? What outfielders can achieve a top 20 finish in 2022 that are all outside our top 15 and top 50 dynasty ranks? Let's find out. It's time for Dingers! This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Pedro Severino that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined again, as always, by Robbie Baseball from Murder and Robbie. What are you doing tonight? How you doing? I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. I was just rearranging. I noticed that in the background, you couldn't see my lacrosse stick. And yep. now you can. Um, and also big league chew uh, that I mentioned before I brought her down because this is where I do my baseball in these cold winter months, uh, but I won't chew on air and my jaw would lock if I did. So I think it's really funny because your, your room is extremely Canadian and then there's yeah. a Bengals Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's only recent. And I was accused. I've got a couple Bengal jerseys down here. Uh, the red rifle Andy Dalton is over on this this side here out out of view. But um, yeah, a few people had said when I'm like, oh, the Bengals in the Super Bowl, they're like, you're not a Bengal fan. I'm like, Kijana Carter, baby, mid 90s. Uh, yes, I am. I've just fallen out with them because I don't follow uh, NFL as much anymore. You know why, Ty? Because I am all about the fantasy baseball. Uh, well, I mean, we're the- we're very much anti leagues that have a CBA in place. I mean, let's be honest. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. They they are doing their best to ruin things because Ty, this is your time of year. Uh, spring training games yeah, would be me. getting ready. My, my so. fantasy season is shot. Like, if I don't have the ability to scout spring training, like I'm screwed. I think I think this was when games were supposed to start for uh, the today. Blue Jays today. Yeah, yeah, they were today. They're supposed to play the Twins. You know what I do find funny about the CBA negotiations, though? And I haven't seen anybody comment on this, and I've sprinkled a couple Twitter comments here and there. But if you look at all of the video of the players arriving to the meetings, there's like 40 parking spots, and they all park in the back of the parking lot. And I cannot for the life of me understand why they're doing this outside of somebody with a camera just filming them walking just so they can have footage like it's just so madonna like it pre-madonna you know it just it's it's gross i hate every second of that they may all have very nice cars and i know my father-in-law always parks way the heck away from everybody in a parking lot because he doesn't want someone to park beside him and ding their door so maybe that's it oh geez my my phone's going off here i'm so sorry i thought i muted it's just very popular we're very popular they they also (laughs) have very large bank accounts to pay for a new windshield so i have zero sympathy for them okay i, just, I find it very interesting and i just anyway before we get into it's it, it's like I, the perp walk but it's for players anyway we've exactly. got more fun things to to discuss tonight but yeah I gotta before say, we Ty, get into I, it i th- yeah go I'm ahead thirsty. i'm just i'm really thirsty to, do you want to have a drink first absolutely i do it's gonna take I me a while ser- to get it ready <laughs> i'll allow it a long time ago someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol 
and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. It was very oh. quiet. Very quiet. I had a good first, good second, and you know what I'm doing. Uh, I am crown floating tonight, and are, I are you I allowed forgot. to be a Bengals fan with that drink of choice? Like I, I don't know if that well, they because it costs more than most of them. It's not. It's not Bush light. If, if but... you sat in the bleachers and you were pouring multiple things into one, <laughs> that cup would be really game, funny. It would be get out. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't do this if I was to go to a game. The last time I saw the Bengals play live was in Buffalo. Um, and that was when Trent Edwards was the starting QB Ooh. for the Bills. Yeah. Thank you very Talk much. Yeah, before Fitz Magic even happened. Um, but I, I did forget on the last few times because I'm I'm drinking Guinness as the the stout, but there's a different cider every time, and they're all Ontario ciders. And I I feel bad that I haven't mentioned it because we used to do this a lot and we'd tag the places, yeah. and then after like a couple very brief conversations with a few breweries, nothing happened, no free brew. Um, anyway, so Coffin Ridge is the cider. Um, factory that we'll say yep. the brewery 100% Canadian they are out of Anna or Annan Annan Ontario which I don't know where that is um, but yeah they're a boutique winery and uh, <laughs> smells kind of whiny so uh, we're going to mix some Guinness in with that to make it extra palatable for this guy but what are what are you taking down well, tonight I have a bottle of Elijah Craig in the small batch which I am a huge fan of and we're going to get into that this evening so, Robbie, you and I were talking about this before we jumped on the air. All of the anyone that is active on fantasy baseball Twitter this week had to have seen um, what we call something we can't say on air. Um, but at the end of the day, <laughs> a circle chaos. of sorts where jerks get to <laughs> gather. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, what are your thoughts on on what we heard this week, Robbie? And then I'll I will hammer into it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, basically, what happened was somebody was asking a uh, friend of the podcast uh dave was saying like does anybody care about the leagues in which industry people are in and if they you know how they do within those leagues so we all know that there's the great fantasy baseball invitational that justin mason puts on and there's like 400 plus people that go in that and it's it's gigantic um a lot of twitter focus gets put on that but there's also um all the people from the website uh national fantasy baseball championship or nfbc that in recent years have basically arrived on Twitter and stake their claim as experts because they've played in leagues where you have, I think it's like $2,500 buy-ins or something like that as the max, the main events, and you can win a lot of cash in those. And that's, that's awesome. But there are also dynasty leagues that we've been playing in for years that have payouts 2000 bucks and larger. And uh, depending on what your league is, you can be paying 50 bucks. You can be paying 550 bucks and anything in between and there's also redraft leagues that are hundreds of dollars and there are experts all over um people that get paid people that don't content creators whatever you want to call uh, everybody and and it's basically do you do you care if you're a fantasy baseball person do you care about tout and labor were the specifics and it came off as if he was saying like does anybody really care what they do and um my first thought was no I, I don't care. I don't think people really care how I do in the great fantasy baseball invitational and um, tout and labor. I believe both definitely. I think tout expanded. And as soon as you do that, you're no longer in that, like only 14 people club, you know, and they, they talk about how they do it or they became like a points league or something else, like whatever they did, they changed. And as soon as you change, you're not what you were, uh, whether it's good or bad. So for me, 
I, I don't care. I didn't care before. And I didn't think it was like the best people that were in it because I've talked to some of the fantasy baseball people who um, are in it or have been in it. And they will tell me things that are hilarious about, you know, it's this person drafting when they're taking a closer way too early. And, you know, like this person's just nuts for catchers because they seem to think that there's an advantage when there's absolutely no advantage. No different than the NFBC guys drafting two catchers. And we talk about it all the time. Why would you want the worst position in fantasy baseball to be doubled up? Why is that the format with NFBC? It is so ridiculous. And those are the big money leagues. And it just means yeah. more and more luck is involved. And then you get into that conversation about luck versus skill. And in yeah. fantasy, anybody who's going to try to to tell me that there is, um, well, Ty, you say your piece. You say your piece. I can well, I think it it's interesting. I mean, the whole conversation became about, like, who's right, who's wrong. And mm -hmm. the reality is, like, there's no such thing. Like, anyone, if you listen, if you're a listener right now and you listen to another podcast, which we recommend you do, um there's lots of great ones out there but if anybody says to you at any time this is the way you should do something there is no other play immediately turn off said podcast and remove it from your subscriptions like you're done with that podcast because like fantasy baseball a it evolves constantly right b from a st statistical perspective it it changes with every pick so to have a best practice or a way of doing things is just impossible Right. It's not a it's not a reality. You can have a strategy and you can follow a strategy, but it evolves every single pick, whether it's your pick or somebody else's. Your strategy just changed, period. So if anybody gives you a definite in fantasy baseball, stop listening. Be done with it. Move on. And I chimed in a little bit, Robbie, A, because everyone's attacking Dave and Dave, you know, Dave chose a couple words that were a little bit like me and I and whatever. And who cares? It's Twitter. Um, right. But. You know, he got attacked from the rafters and from the sides. And it's like, guys, like, <laughs> hey, like, who cares? Like, no one should be this upset about this comment, right? That That's number one. And number two, like, none of you are right because you're all trying to say one thing is is or isn't. So, I, you know, I just – I put my two cents in really quick. I only got the hell out. But um, it just – it's a really sad state of society. <laughs> and, and it was a microcosm <laughs> inside of fantasy baseball where there's only two options, right? And it's just not the reality. So – just wanted to say quickly, like if you saw any of that, don't take a side because there is no side. Um, right. and, and two, just think on your feet. Like that's the one thing that good fantasy players do all the time is they evolve and change based on what's happening around them. Well, we were talking to a lot last year around this time, I think, about how um, sour Twitter had become. Yeah. And it's absolutely a way. I mean, you know, you can go to our Twitter at Dingers Pod and you can see that what we put out is typically polls or questions. Just we're curious what the what the typical dynasty mind frame is on a player or a position or something of that um, that ilk. And then for myself and and Ty, you know, find Ty at Tourney Boss. Uh, he really likes talking about Ukraine. And if you go to my <laughs> at <laughs> at Robbie Baseball One, it's it's basically just like random polls as well. Because I I I'm not overly interested in engaging with a bunch of guys who, you know, within say 20, 20 ish dudes on fantasy baseball, Twitter, that all have, they're all content creators. They just like to kind of tell each other how good they are. And as Ty and I talk about too, like we would rather win our leagues than win the approval of some industry dudes on Twitter, even yeah. though we, we like are on the peripheral of that because we're a niche of dynasty within fantasy baseball. So we know that our market is not going to be the 70,000 plus downloads that a CBS podcast gets, but um, you know, we're doing our best to, to carve out um, our own niche here. And in addition, 
I listened, Ty, to a podcast, or I should say I tried to, and I had to go to two times speed, and I still had to skip through it, of a podcast over the weekend that was discussing an industry prospect mock draft. And it was discussing that what those prospect drafters drafted was interesting because of who the players were they drafted. Now, this is all the same pool. So as there were there were like six or some different mock drafts. And as soon as they got into um, uh, what, like the second round, there are like 12 people in each thing. There are some industry, you know, experts or writers, content creators, whatever. And then there are other people who are just like fans and and base fancy baseball players. But the pools were the same, which means that there's going to be a lot of overlap from what players are taken. And the way the podcast basically ran was they talked about, well, this player was taken four times and this player was taken three times. And isn't that interesting? But like you just said about how every time there's a pick strategy changes, it seemed odd to me that it was not at all about promoting the prospect. It was all about promoting the picks from industry people, which is just more of that same thing where I understand everybody wants to try to like play nice and be nice. But sometimes you have to, to talk about the results. Do any of the people that are on fantasy baseball Twitter win in their leagues? And for for the NFBC people, yes, you've won. I get it. H- have you also played in 20 leagues or to win one? Or did you play in three leagues and win one? Because those percentages also matter. And yeah. that's something that we're trying to do and sort out to get back on the topic for tonight. Um, who are well, outside? Oh, sorry. Ty, and what, on. one last thing, just really quick that I want to touch on. Like, you know, our title is, is the only podcast for smart people. Like if you've listened to us for more than five minutes, you know that it's a joke. Um, and, and I feel Wait, like whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you telling me my tattoo is wrong? <laughs> yeah, no, no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh you know, definitely <laughs> yeah, right. It's uh it's definitely like we have a lot of fun. If anyone listened to us, you know that. But at the same time, like other people truly believe they're the smartest people, right? And those are the ones that you and I for sure have so much trouble stomaching and there's lots of them out there, but you know, there's nothing wrong with having confidence, but, but being the pedestal, like I, I am the best. I have the best model. I have the best path. It just, there's no place for that. So Robbie, let's, let's leave it there and let's get into tonight's stuff. Oh, I thought you were going to mention the Patreon now. So people could pay us forty nine ninety nine for the <laughs> ultimate draft kit. <laughs> the correct. <laughs> yeah. Kit. Yeah. That would be a good name for it. The correct draft kit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're not doing that. It's not 49. We should have the, the politically away correct. The politically correct draft pick. We're sorry <laughs> that you had to pay an extra $5 to get the additional content. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, so what we are talking about tonight on topic is we did, we just finished our dynasty rankings. We did not go through the 51st through starting pitchers. That that's something we're, we're shelving for a later date. Um, and we're also just going to cover it through several different episodes, but the rankings are done. The hard work is done. And if you want to want to get a peek at them, hit us up or hit me up at Robbie baseball one. And I will, um, get that together for you. Some people had asked us before when we were first doing the catchers and first base very early on, and we were trying to get it together. And, um, it was not at that point in time ready. It's now ready. Let us know if you're still listening. Thank you. Uh, but for those players outside of our top 15 for infielders, so that's catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop. Who do we think in those crews post 15 can be top five guys? And for outfielders, who that's outside of our top 50 do we think could be inside the top 20 for this coming season, single season? So using the dynasty ranks, to go to redraft essentially, because we want to know who can actually make an impact. So um, Ty, you've got the guys who did that last year, the post 15 types that all finished top 10 inside their position. And for outfielders, 
it was, I think I did the top 20 for the outfielders as well. I think that's where all these guys fit in. Um, it may have been the top 25. I don't remember, but what we tried to do today for everybody who plays points leagues, which I play points leagues, I love points leagues. Um, we tried to make it in the fashion of points formatting. So uh, instead of always hearing categories tonight, we're going to focus a little bit more on points per game or PPG or total points for the year. So that's how we've tried to write some of this stuff out. Yeah, definitely. And and you'll, you know, remember some of these names in this list. A lot of these guys, Robbie, are guys we said bye this time last year because mm-hmm. we liked them as guys that could have big years. I, I think the fact that they're on this list in most cases suggests they exceeded even the bye, you know, that we had put on them. But uh, start. I'm going to start with the outfield because I think these guys are the guys that probably got the most press uh, as breakout guys. So we'll get them out of the way early. Um, you know, Tyler O'Neill's one that I've been going on and on and on about because he was due to do this and he did do that. Um, this is, this is a guy that, you know, to me was an obvious one. If you watch the game of baseball instead of the statistical lines. So sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to disconnect data and look at what you see. And there's a couple of guys in, in the rest of our list tonight that I, I have that are visual guys for me, um, that I'm going to have, uh, jumping forward. Next on the list, the the very uh, talented and very obvious one, uh, Cedric Mullins in Baltimore had a fantastic season last year. Um, it still shocks me. Like this is one that I didn't see coming. Uh, this he had a phenomenal season. There's no way to argue it. But it does underlie something that we've talked about a lot this offseason, Robbie, is that that Baltimore offense is pretty good, and and that's the reality of the situation. Um, and Cedric had a great breakout season last year. Um, Alex Verdugo in Boston. I loved the scenario for him. Um, a great hitter's ballpark, contact bat, decent defender, and he got to hit at the top of that lineup. Like all of those things are how you you take that jump. Is when people don't value the um, the hitter at the top of the lineup, right? And in, in a in a good offense that Boston had last season. I, well, I'm he shocked. also started. Sorry, Ty. Go ahead. Yep. I was just saying, I'm shocked more people didn't have him further ahead heading into last season. So that one, I I kind of expected to be a breakout last year, uh, you know, and and I and he fully fulfilled that expectation for me. Well, even going back to 18, it was expected that Alex Verdugo was supposed to come in and get it done as a Dodger, right? Didn't happen in 18, not in 19, um, 2020, ugh. and then he moves in the Mookie Betts trade and fresh start. So we've talked. Hello. That hurt my ears. Um, <laughs> it was it was great on the eyes for everyone else, though. Yeah, anybody watching the live stream, it, it is beautiful. Uh, for me, who I just restarted my computer before we started, and I guess I didn't adjust that audio setting. Uh, that was full bore in in the earlobes. Uh, but you, Verdugo... you now have like Lionel Peng rent inside. Your <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hello, 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 hello. Um, but Verdugo is the classic change of scenery and classic opportunity for a bats guy. And it was, like you said, it was great to see it actually come together. It was unfortunate that it's with the Red Sox because, you know, screw the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. Um, Robbie Grossman for me is a guy that you were all over heading into last season. You loved Robbie Grossman moving in, like not to be this guy, but to be a yeah, guy. Yeah, I was nowhere by... near this. I just thought yeah. it was weird that he went to Detroit and why are they doing that? Detroit looks like they're okay, but he's going to get every day at bats and then boom crazy well well i mean yeah and i mean that's it like i mean he he had a great 2020 uh so there's nothing overly shocking about that 
826 OPS. Uh, he he hit eight home runs in the shortened season, right? So, you know, there was some buildup to Robbie Grossman figuring something out. Uh, and Detroit capitalized on that. So good for them. Uh, a really, really nice piece for them uh, this season. Ardolis or Adolis Garcia um, was one that like, came on like gangbusters last season. 31 home runs. Uh, you know, had a bit of a tail off in the back half of the season. Really, a lot of that production was um, the back half of the early parts of the season. Uh, 11 home runs in, in May was was really that. Um, and the average started to take a tumble over the last three months, 216, 227, 212. So Garcia's a guy that I'm staying away from. Um, there's still room for recoil here, but I think there's still little room for growth. Um, plays a good defense, so he's, he's probably going to play. So I don't think it's a matter of losing time. Um, but I think there's going to come a time about end of May where he's going to have to put up or shut up. And, and you know, you've got uh, Tavares in AAA still who, who plays a really good center field. Um, not sure he knows how to hit a baseball yet, but well, he's uh, good in AAA. Ty, he is like that's the problem. He's really good in AAA, but he has to do the uh, transition smoothly. He can't all of a well, sudden be a 180 hitter again. I think he's one of those guys that benefits from the lesser defense in the minor leagues, and I think that's his big oh, thing. Okay, right. And you hear a lot of like former pros talk about it. Like, what was the big jump between the minors and and the pros? And it's the defense, like those extra Ball's seven hits a month. Yeah, and you hear him talk about it all the time, and I think Tavares is definitely a casualty of that. But I also think he just puts too many balls on the ground, and I think that's where he gets hurt at the major league level. Um, but that's our outfield, right? All guys that had phenomenal seasons in in a, one way or the other. A um, couple red flags in there moving forward, but um, definitely nobody to shy away from. Now we get back into the infield. Uh, one of my favorite things that happened last year was Brand Crawford uh, was eighth in in ppg last year at shortstop position like it's not as if brandon crawford anyone's surprised like this is a baseball player that's had a pretty good career uh pretty steady eddie you know very much in that yaddy or molina conversation that i always have of like hey i'm gonna get my top 15 guy at this position like brandon crawford has been that guy for the better part of the last 10 years right so nothing shocking that he crept in here i think we just all thought the beginning of the end was happening for brandon crawford um, this one to me, like Brandon Crawford's one of the hardest guys to project going into the season, right? Because he obviously had this phenomenal season last year, but what are we going to get moving forward? Don't know. Um, a guy that we, we all, or at least when I say we all, I mean, you and me, Rob, uh, we both thought Austin Riley was primed for breakout last year. Uh, we we've seen it coming. He, he was hitting balls hard all over the place. Again, 2020 similar... playoffs, Ty, you, you were specifically talking 2020 playoffs, he is smoking the ball. It's just great defense preventing him, and it's going to break through. You, you get the credit on this. You were right. Fifth in total points and points per game at third base. But I can't take all the credit because you no, didn't you're, the wrong. So you're the only one. So we get to we either <laughs> both both take some credit though. Um, but Austin Riley, you know, there was words thrown around at him last year like MVP, and I, and I don't think he's there yet. I mentioned that during the season last year. I, I don't believe he's MVP. I, I do think he is like, if there's a 1A and a 1B, he's the MVP B, if that makes any sense. Right. Uh, yeah. Just a really think, good player. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, Jake Cronenworth is a guy that, you know, if he had any power, would probably be in the same category. Um, I think the power here is the last piece of the Cronenworth game. I think where Cronenworth um, gains this year, um, he's ninth in, in points and 10th in uh, PPG here. Uh, so I think this is a guy... 
that's going to get a little extra bump in value this year because of the multi-position eligibility he's going to carry, right? He could play three, four positions this season, depending on what San Diego does with that crowded lineup. Um, but you know Cronenworth's going to be in there every game. That's just – he's one of their better players. He's a staple. Um, really, really nice piece there. Uh, first base, CJ Cron, uh, 12th in overall points, 13th in PBG. With with a chunk of time missed last year. Like, I don't know how many games exactly yeah. missed, Robbie, but um, it was probably, what, 30, give or take? It, it was enough that Connor Joe got a start and then became a left fielder. So, it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm well, not exactly sure where he was on total games played. So, but 12 470 at bats, so, right? So, let's okay. say about 70 75% of regular bats. Um, and you're talking about a guy that still had 28 home runs, hit 281. Uh, slugged 530 with an OPS of 905, right? So I don't think anybody anywhere thinks CJ Cron is bad, right? I don't think that's the mantra out there. But I do think people slept on him in a very big way heading into last season because of that Colorado lineup. Like CJ Cron play, has played his entire career on bad teams, <laughs> right? And he's he's like doing he's, it he's, again he's, this year going back to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has never been on a good team. Like this guy in the middle of a lineup on a good team would be so interesting. Like if it ever happens, like I'm I'm selling the house and I'm going to get me some CJ Cron. Um, well, the one thing we but, know for sure is that Colorado will not force a trade. Just talk to John Gray. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. They, they will... paid 50 million to force a trade. Okay. <laughs> they got they bought, Austin they Gomber. <laughs> they got Austin. Come on. All right, now talk about the least important of all of these breakout guys from last year because he's also the most depressing of them all. Yeah, I mean, anytime we have Mike Zanino on on a a fantasy baseball list, I'm sad, right? He was an (laughs) all-star last year, right? Like this, I mean, he had a great season. I mean, as a as a baseball player, I love Mike Zanino. As a fantasy baseball player, I have no, I want nothing to do with him. Uh, And so he had a great season, but a lot of that was jammed. On the front end, right? He had, you know, of his, uh, what did he finish with? I just said it, 33 home runs. Like yeah. a good chunk of those were were in the first couple of months. He had five, seven, and six um, in the first three. But he did finish with a strong August and, and September to get the Rays in a good position in the playoffs. So, you know, a really interesting season. But 200 and 136 batting average in, in June and July, that that's a, that's a kick in the pants big time, um, you know, just from a production perspective. So Zanino, obviously a great season, 560 OPS to finish, uh, slug almost 560. That's pretty solid out of the catcher position with an OPS plus of 138, right? So, you know, these are these are good numbers, right? Hard to argue with it. Um, I'll be honest, like Zanino moving forward scares me because I have a lot more faith in a switch hitting catcher behind him um, than a lot of people do. Um, and I'm sure we'll touch on that at some point this offseason. Well, and also like for... For Mike Zanino, the whole point, the whole problem with him, he has been um, power and nothing else. No average, zero average. And 216 is like an improvement, which is just weird. But the catcher position is in such a rough spot that he was able to be seventh in overall points. And this, this is crazy that he was sixth in points per game with any catcher that had more than 50 games. So -hmm. for anyone with regular playing time, Three points per av- per game is pretty much like where you want to be if you're going to be competitive, and and then you go like for any position, but you go to catcher and it's like well that's a top ten. If you can have a catcher who has three points per game now, you, to, depending on your league settings, right, that can vary. But if you count strikeouts, 
which Zanini likes to pile up, it's very hard for him to be a three-point-per-game guy. So he had so much power, and the luck with runs and RBIs, where he was 60-plus in both, allowed him to be that guy. Is that what he's going to be moving forward? No, but for one year, perfect. So that's why they're breaking away. Um, We've talked before about the averages um, for players last year, you know, how only 61 guys had OPSs over 800, and there were, what, uh, 100 players that had an average of 250 or higher and of that, only 14 had a 300 or higher average and all those kind of things. So when we start to get into the 2022 breakout candidates, the names you're going to hear might not sound like somebody who can realistically become a top five. But the list we just gave you are all guys that were not being considered top 15 at their position or for outfielders top 20. So let's just, you know, let's remember that we're, we're doing the work here so that you have easier decisions to make for yourself. So Ty, we just finished with catcher. Let's start there again. Um, I took the average for the top 10 at each category for catcher. So for runs, I just clicked on runs, the top 10 runs for catchers. I added them up, divided it by 10 and 60 is the average for RBIs at 69 for home runs. It was 24.7. Um, and that's because of Sal Perez having enough home runs for two catchers with his 48 last year. Without Sal Perez, the average was 22. Um, they averaged out the top 10 catchers, five stolen bases, and the actual batting average was a measly 264. So you talk about Mike Zanina with the 216, the average for the top 10 catchers with 200 at bats was the minimum I did for everybody here, 264 average. So uh, Ty, who do you think can be in that realm uh like let's just say that that would what if if that catcher existed uh 60 run 60 rbi 24 home run five stolen base 264 average that's a top 10 catcher for sure so who do you think can be one of those guys next year that's even better than that i don't i don't know what even better but i think those numbers get you there Um, yeah i i mean those numbers are good I, i i like mitch garber to have a bounce back here uh, this season, I mean, Ryan Jeffers is going to steal some at bats here, but I think the way Minnesota's built, um, I think Garber is going to have enough at bats to to do some damage. I mean, he's a career 875 OPS guy, so very similar to what we talked about with Zanino. And and I've beat him to death on Garber in terms of his inability to hit pitches that aren't the fastball. Uh, but I have some faith that that Minnesota lineup is going to have a bit of a bounce back this season. Uh, and I and I think he's going to be there. So I mean, he, he definitely needs to tell Joe Boo to screw off. He's going to do it himself. Uh, there's no questions about that. Uh, but I, I do think Garber has all the upside in the world um, that he could find himself in there. I mean, any catcher that I'm entering this conversation with, like I am, I am shying away from the stamp of approval that this is going to happen because catchers get hurt. Uh, catchers go through all kinds of different other ruts that other positions don't have. Uh, but I, Mitch Garver, I think, could be a guy uh, that, frankly, is getting drafted a lot later than I think he probably should in a lot of formats um, that could fit this bill. I, I think that's an interesting pick. I, I don't share it. Uh, I have Pedro Severino of Milwaukee, 28-year-old righty. I have him dynasty ranked at 35th, but I think he does have the stuff with this new team. Um, going from the terrible Baltimore Orioles to the division-winning Milwaukee Brewers, um, his ability to possibly, you know, double the RBIs from 32, or sorry, for RBIs from 46 into the 80s, 
uh, double the runs is what I meant to say from from 32 into the 60s. Uh, and maybe he hits a couple more home runs than I think he had 12 last year. So maybe he doesn't he hits around 15, a little less, whatever. Um, but the big thing is the points per game for him last year, because we are trying to do a little bit of the point stuff specific for this one, 2.04 points per game. And we talked about three being the big thing for catchers. Well, if you're getting runs, you're getting RBIs. Those are all points. So if you tack on an extra 70 of those combined, because he's in a good lineup, he's going to put himself in a position next year to have well over 320 points. And that could in a hundred or so games, make him a three point per game guy. And, and I like the idea of Severino also um, getting to manage talented pitchers instead of Baltimore pitchers. And that could really help out with the confidence when you're at the dish. Cause when you put your hand somewhere and you've given the signal for something, the ball might end up there. Whereas well, with Baltimore, it was ending up out of the park. The only thing that I'm a little concerned with Severino is the bats, right? I think he's going to split time with Norvea a little bit. That's about the only thing that concerns me is the platoon splits and he does have a small history of it. So I like Severino. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've, we've talked about Severino for years when no one else has, um, <clears throat> but I am concerned with the situation. Uh, I think the I think DH really helps the tie. I think that that's the big reason for my confidence in it. I agree with you. Otherwise the at bats would be stolen by a soft hitting catcher with a higher average, but they can balance each other off. And I was with you until they got Renfro. And that, that clouded that conversation too. So I think it's probably going to fall somewhere between a straight platoon and, you know, full at bats. But that's the one thing in terms of achieving the, the rank we're asking them to achieve in this conversation. It's the only concern I have there uh, because I, I like Severino. I think he's very underrated and, and there could be a big breakout here, which could make Nervea useless, frankly, if, if the breakout is there. Seattle um, was happy to trade him when they thought he had hit peak. I think it was after 2019. I think that was mm -hmm. the season because that's when you were talking about how he was such a soft hitter. His exit velo was in like the low mid 80s. Yeah. And you, you know, you said like, I don't see how this is going to happen. And they did not have a great follow up season after that. But last year he came back strong. But again, average strong, not yeah, exactly. runs RBIs. You know, he's not he's not a five category guy. If we're doing five by five, Severino has the ability to help you in three with the outside shot at four if the average ticks up uh, certainly not stolen bases and again with catchers if you're asking for stolen bases you must be looking for a, a top what two catcher whatever yeah. you're hoping dalton varsho is uh catcher eligible eligible for the year uh anyway we'll move on to first base we each have a different guy there last year when you take the average of the top 10 for runs are you ready for this it it's a tick up from catcher it's 98.3 runs the rbis the average was 102.3 home runs, 35 and a half home runs, stolen bases, 8.9. And the batting average for the top 10 first base eligible players, 299. You want production. You want to put something into your fantasy lineup. You don't do it a catcher. Look what the first base can do. And Ty, who do you think is outside the top 15? Well, you've got him ranked 14th. So outside well, the top 13 for you that you think could be a top five guy in 2022. Well, sorry, just real quick. I love the production of this position because like a year ago we were complaining how bad it could be. So it drops off considerably, right? From 11 to 20, but top yeah. 10. Yeah. So, but I mean, kudos to the front offices for gluing this together because I mean, there's definitely, you know, some patchwork happening at the first base position right now. Um, I, my guy here is a guy that I've liked for a while. Uh, I don't No one that's a long time listener will be surprised by this pick for me. Uh, it's Rowdy Talese. This is a guy that I just think 
has all the talent in the world to be the hundred hundred guy. I think it's there. I don't think he's ever gotten the chance for sustainable at bats. And I, and I love this lineup for him. I love the ballpark. Uh, I, I like the whole situation. I mean, they no longer have seven first basemen in Milwaukee of which all have been dumped from the Toronto farm system. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, Talese is still that guy, but you know, I think he's the last remaining one in that conversation. Um, so I, I really think there's a guy here, but his time in Milwaukee last year, 272, 333 OBP, which I think could be better for him. Um, the slug just under five, which also will be better for him. I don't think that's an if, uh, and an 814 OPS. So there's enough there to be excited, not enough to be elite. Uh, but I do think he's capable of that big jump. And if we, as you mentioned, Robbie, like the drop off outside of the top 10 is real. This is a guy that I think could jump out of that clutter and into the conversation. Yeah. I, again, like a few things need to go right for him as well as wrong for some of his teammates. Um, yeah. Let, you know, Keston Hira debacle. We'll break that down at some point. Um, again, but for me, I, I like Milwaukee period. It's fun. Hey, that's two straight Milwaukee guys at positions that we think could be breakouts. I guess we know how to pick teams that are good already <laughs> or pick players from teams that are good already. Uh, for me, I'm going the other way though, on this one, Bobby Bradley, 26 year old Cleveland guardian, uh, lefty hitter. I've got him ranked 20th in dynasty and he finished 46 at first base in total points and 36 in points per game with 2.55 last year. That was not a full season. Um, there's there's concerns that absolutely will scare off the redraft community, the experts uh, who write about guys in redraft. Bradley needs to take walks. He went from a career 340 OBP guy um, to 2021 as a 280, I think it was 287, 289 he finished at. Uh, that's going to be corrected. He's a better OBP guy than that. With full-time at-bats, he's going to be a 70-plus run guy, an 80-90 to 90 RBI guy, and this is not on a competitive Cleveland team. This is basically taking what he did with a crappy Cleveland team last year and stretching it out a little bit over more at-bats. Um, the power is always going to be the thing for Bobby Bradley. He's got to be a 30-plus home run guy. Um, the prediction is very easy to say he will hit 30 home runs next year. Um, you're going to have to punt on the average, so as far as 8 by 8 goes, you're really getting three categories that you need him to do well in runs, RBIs and average because you're getting nothing from average, or sorry, runs, RBIs and home runs. You're getting nothing from average. You want to see a 250 average. You can't bank on that because the last time he did it was in 2019 at AAA. So, you know, Ty, this is the thing that I kind of, I did with Bobby Bradley that I thought you might appreciate. I like the idea of the coaching staff saying, can you just take the first two pitches all of April? Just, have a one and one count, not an zero and two, with two swinging strikes or or foul balls. Just put yeah. yourself in a better position for your third pitch and beyond. And if they can do something to that degree, I think Bobby Bradley has a great chance to surprise the heck out of everybody and be the big oh wow. I, I mean, we talked about it when he was a prospect, and we this and we that. But right now for dynasty owners, like I am looking to acquire me some Bobby Bradley because it doesn't look good but the opportunity moving forward does. So Bobby Bradley, I think could have a huge 2022. Well, and just really quick on those, on that thought, Robbie, uh, he hit 318.01 count, uh, 455 and a one, one, four, six, seven, and a two, one count. 
and six, 600 in a 3-1 count. So and this is a guy that clearly struggles when he's hitting from behind. Uh, the, the numbers are very obvious. So there, there's some breakout here. And, and to me, this, this speaks more to approach than it does to ability. Right. Um, so I, I like where your head's at on this guy. Um, Thank you. I'm not touching him because um, we're in leagues together and you're going to take him way before I'm comfortable taking well, him. I was going to say, wait till our home league when he's my second round pick. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. The rest of the league's gonna have to like, who, who? is Bobby Bradley? Well, yeah. that's 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 typically what they do when we get into like the third and fourth round for my picks. Um, yeah. It wasn't until last year with Glenn when he took uh, Ro- Rogers with Miami. Yeah, yeah, Tyler Rogers with Miami. And or no, uh, not Tyler. No, not Tyler. There's too many Rogers. Anyway, I know. Um, Mister, let's. I've he's Mister Rogers. How about that? I was gonna say I've been drinking. It's fine. Um, but. <laughs> You, uh, we talked about this before. We we go through every single major league team and the depth within that organization. We don't just focus on the top 150 players. Sometimes we forget names. Okay, well, yeah. the alcohol also makes it harder and the brain damage. But um, <laughs> let's move on to second base here. I'll give the top 10 average. You tell me your boy. So for second baseman, the average between the top 10 for runs 102. That makes sense. They're, you know, should be up early in the lineup. RBI is a big dip there to 92.9 um, home runs. Uh, thank you. Marcus Simeon 32.5, a career best from second base last year. Simeon is the reason why this is as high as it is, uh, but either way, 32 and a half and stolen bases. You want some stolen bases? Don't don't sleep on the second baseman. They had twenty three point three average for uh, the top ten, and the actual batting average, just like first base tie, two ninety nine average. So there is five category potential, well within the top ten in first base. Who do you think steps up next year and gets it? I haven't looked, but really quickly, I assume that's the highest stolen base average, right, by any position. Uh, I'll, I'll take a look. It's higher than, uh, let's see, third base. It's uh, shortstop's the only one it's really going to be in competition with. It's close with uh, b- the rest. Yes, it is the highest per. And this was, just to be clear, any player that had uh, shortstop and second base eligibility was included in second base and shortstop outside of Simeon because right. Simeon set records as a second baseman, so I excluded him from any shortstop counting category, just so we're clear here. Yep. So who I'm going with this in category, and I, and I literally have a note. I hate this option, some kind of bad, because second base is is not very deep at all. And so to find a guy that can actually break into a top five in this category is, is tough. Um, I have Kevin Biggio, and the only reason I have this uh, is because there's not a lot of great options. And the second reason is he is one of the very few guys that's going to give you four categories at the position. Um, and in, when I say is going to, I mean could give you. Uh, what we saw out of Kevin Biggio last year was a dumpster fire and, and should be concerning to all owners of Kevin Biggio in every single format. What, However, on the on the flip side of that, Kevin Biggio could also be an 80, 80, 30, 20 guy. Like that's very plausible in a healthy it's true. season. How, right? how insane does that sound? That he could just fall off the map or just rake and it's yeah. so possible like what it's is his approach going to be right what is his approach going to be he's the opposite of bobby bradley i want to see him ripping first pitch fastballs all day every day uh i i think there's going to be a better hitter here there's too much of a track record of plate discipline and power and his dad's one of the best contact hitters of all time 
So I, I think there's a step forward that's going to happen here because they did nothing but figure out how to make more consistent contact this offseason. Like that's that's the reality. There's no other goal for Kevin Biggio. That and don't blow up your back. Um, but I, I think there's upside here. I made a quick note at the end. Like DJ LeMahieu is the only other guy that I thought could fit this bill. Um, we saw a huge drop off from him last year, which is concerning. But I do think he's he's another guy that I just wanted to make note of because I think he could justify a, a fit into this conversation. Yeah, and the guy I have is a perennial outside the top 15 finish, um, you know, in and around the top 15 guy. And I think he's ready, ready to make that big step. And that's Cesar Hernandez uh, with Washington for this year. Switch hitter, 32-year-old. I've got him ranked 20, 23rd in Dynasty. Uh, Hernandez in Washington, really interesting. I definitely think he's going to be the in the two-hole. Lane Thomas is going to lead off. We talked about him on the outfield episode. Go back and check that out. Uh, Soto will be behind him. Then you've got Josh Bell and out of nowhere guy, Yadiel Hernandez, who if you've been listening, he's not an out of nowhere guy. He's an out of Cuba guy who took a deal with the Nationals and got time at the end of last year, did well, then had an adjustment made on him, finished out the year, but he's a power hitter. And then you have Kyber Ruiz coming up after that, who is an average hitter that could have some power, which means... There's a bunch of options for the end of that lineup. But if he, if Cesar Hernandez is hitting second, he is going to absolutely be a run factory for Washington. If he goes back to the stolen base days, which I am not counting on with this, he could be even higher in triple digits for runs. But 21 home runs last year was a career high between Cleveland and the White Sox. And he did not fare as well with the White Sox post-trade, but was still good. But he was 23rd in overall second base points. 28th in points per game, but guys like Nick Madrigal, who had 200 at bats, um, had higher averages, but fewer overall points. So good player when you go through a full season, but I expect those like 91 career high runs to be blown out of the water this year. 70 RBIs. I can easily see for him. If the back end of that Washington lineup does anything with the DH and, you know, obviously not having the pitcher, um, they're going to have Luis Garcia fighting for playing time. They've got his Drupal Cabrera in there for playing time, Carter Keboom and uh, Cesar Hernandez is just going to be the second baseman. So between those, uh, the shortstop and corner, you've got three guys who are all going to need to actually hit and they're going to be at the back end of that lineup, which is going to help him out. And I like it. You know, all of this is good. If, if, if you can tell me Ty that Lane Thomas is not going to get on base, then I can say, okay, well, there's going to be some issues, but I think he's going to get on base, which means Cesar Hernandez is going to be fed fastballs because they are going to get to Juan Soto and not want to pitch to Juan Soto. So they're going to try really hard when Lane Thomas is on first to induce double playground balls for Cesar Hernandez, which isn't going to happen because he's fast enough to run that S out. And we are then going to see the Washington run factory take over. I know I'm making it sound like Washington is going to be amazing and have eight run games on the regular. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be seven run games. Um, but <laughs> basically what I'm saying is that Cesar Hernandez is going to have a butt ton of runs. And because of that, I believe that that power should still be there. Not that, that he's going to necessarily repeat 21, but 15 plus. And, you know, throw in a few stolen bases, things of that nature. Cesar Hernandez is poised for a big season and he's not going to be picked. Like even in your 15 team rotos, 
he's going to sit out there for a while, post 200, I'm sure, in redraft. So pick him up, earn it, love it. Cesar Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that pick, Robbie. I mean, it's a safe, consistent guy uh, with a bad position around him. Very, very logical. Uh, jumping into third base, uh, the numbers are, are kind of flat here a little bit in terms of where we've been in the last couple of positions, 90 runs, 90.5, 95.4 RBIs, 31 bombs, 16 solo bases uh, with a 287 uh, batting average in that five by five format for our top 10. So um, in this group, Robbie, uh, who are you taking? Um, why are you taking him? And uh, sell him, sell him to me because I need you to okay. sell him to me. Okay. Well, I, let me have a drink. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, I was foamy. Um, <clears throat> I was celebrating. Hear the foam. Yeah, you hear the foam <laughs> in, in, in the microphone. I hope that picks up because that was a lot of uh, um, head in that one. I just yeah poured poured in the rest of the cider and Guinness at once because I just needed to top up. Joey Wendell, everybody now with Miami, thirty two year old lefty, my nineteenth ranked player. And I, I admit that was when I ranked him at second base, but I moved him over. Even in our dynasty ranks, Ty, I moved over any players who I saw today that actually had more um, games at a different position. I moved them all over today because it's cold. It's cold and we stayed inside. The boy and I can only play so much Uno uh, and Mario Kart before, you know, we just need a break from each other. The five-year-old and I. So I, I got to do a little bit of uh, computer stuff. Anyway, last year he was 21st in total points and 26 in points per game for third baseman, right? Forget about it. Who wants Joey Wendell? Well, a trade from Tampa Bay to Miami is not going to hurt his playing time because he's still going to be able to go to third, move to short, which they don't really need that because they've got Rojas who's going to be there, but also go to second if needed. It's great. Yandy Diaz, go take your time with Tampa Bay at third base. Um, you know, utility guy, uh, what is it? Arizona utility guy, Josh Rojas. Sorry. That's what's, uh, what's the Rojas that's in Miami? Miguel. Miguel. Thank you. Yeah. Jo Josh was, was, uh, the comparable I had in, uh, in Arizona form. But anyway, you're, you're going to be, um, getting better counting stats with the Miami lineup because I know Ty's got a guy to promote later on. So do I in the outfield with Miami. Um, but a return to a 280 average, a 350 OBP will really help him out, which he did not have either of last year. And Miami's just going to create runs. And I think the latter part of the lineup, which I think is where Wendell's going to settle, you know, six, seven, Wendell's eight would settle. be rough. Pardon me? Wendell's settle. I like it. Yeah. When, if Wendell settles in that latter part, he's also going to be in position to move the sluggers of the lineup around. And he's a hard hitter. So I think it's going to happen. I think we're going to see a lot of RBIs and then he's going to have to do his thing to make sure he's getting, you know, that single becomes a double kind of thing moving, you know, first to third. Well, um, I like Joey Wendell to be a surprise here. Obviously none of the, the 2021 stats line him up to do what I'm predicting he's going to do, but that's okay. Take a chance on Wendell. Maybe you can get him in your league uh, super cheap because people are like a 32 year old who just moved to that team. No, thanks. But a lefty lineup or a lefty batter in that lineup is going to be huge. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you there. My only real concern uh, is, is he's going to have a short leash, right? I, I think he's going to have every opportunity to win at bats right out of the gate, multiple positions. All that's great. Um, but the bench has three very capable guys that I think are going to steal 
at bats and Garrett Cooper, John Birdie, and potentially uh, Monte Harrison, who we've seen recently this week is spending some time with live pitching against Alec Manoa. Um, so he's either going to get really comfortable striking out, which is what we know about Monte Harrison, yeah. or he's going to take a step forward, seeing some good pitching. So we'll see. But the point is, is that I think Wendell has every opportunity to, to achieve, but I, I also see a little bit of a cliff potential there for Joey Wendell. Cause we, we saw a decrease in at bats in Tampa, right? We, it, that happened. Um, and then the trade well, to Miami also there. And, and there's good reason in Tampa, but yeah, you know, Let's I not say that Joey Wendell lot like the story with Joey Wendell tie is a is a weird one, right? Like rookie of the year in what was it, 18? Fell off the face of the earth in 19 with injury, comes back in 2020. I think that's right. Am I right? Comes back in 2020 and plays. And then and he didn't actually win rookie of the year, though. Well, sorry, sorry. Rookie of the year, top three finish, something like that. Four. Okay, sure. Sorry, I'm just I'm just being accurate. <laughs> I'm, just you clarify. and your facts. You and your facts. Fact checking. Go, that's, that's go hang out with I your Twitter here. buddies. All right. I don't have any after this week. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way we like it. Yeah, we'll right. just we'll just talk to Dave if we need. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So so you've got the ability for Joey Wendell to actually establish himself like as a consistent guy, because that's what I was getting at was that he hasn't had the opportunity to do that last year. Last year was the first year. And now we we get to see the follow up. But of course, he moved teams. But I mean, when you've got Wanda Franco coming in, you've got uh, Yandy Diaz chipping away. You've got Vidal Bruin. You've got guys in Tampa Bay that are young and cheap. And Joey Wendell is not. Well, he's relatively cheap, but it's Tampa Bay. So super cheap. That's why he is where he is. But. Ty, your guy's far more fascinating. So why don't you tell me why everybody out there in Dynasty Owners, red alert, red alert, Ty is about to trigger you. Who's your guy at third, Ty? I, you know me. I, I love this. I, I love everyone's like running, you know, the opposite direction. And I'm just like eating an apple, walking into the chaos, right? So um, I'm going with uh, Alberto Mondesi. Uh, <laughs> No, I nailed that oh, one, right? Did you? <laughs> I say anywhere close to right. That's, that's how that's how we spell it. So I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't really care. Alberto, I mean, Monsi, it, it, Alberto. it doesn't roll off the tongue like a heavy, but um, either way, we're we're good here. I mean, listen, the upside's here, and and I, there's not a person out there that knows anything about baseball that can't agree. There's some upside here, right? Like right. it's there. It's obvious. The talent. The consistency, not so much. The health, not so much. Uh, but this is the kind of guy that has slipped so far back in rankings that you have to think about the opportunity here, right? Like, and that's why we were promoting him here. Is is this is a guy that is going to be way cheaper than his upside? And I'm always at least interested in those guys, at the very least. Uh, this isn't a guy that I am by any means going out and buying across the board, which I do in a lot of these other guys that we talk about on a weekly basis. This is not one of those. Um, but for the conversation we're having today, which is can this guy become a top five player or a top 10 player, even at his position? Uh, the answer is yes, he absolutely can. Um, he's got the power of stolen bases. He's got the power of run production. Um, and there is some power that we do see from time to time. It does come in phases. Uh, the big thing for me with Montessi is really um, his ability to hit the off speed. Like that's the thing that is, is alarming and, and concerning the last two years against the breaking pitch, one 
uh, 47 last season and 188 the year before that. So those numbers are very Mitch Garver. Uh, however, the two seasons prior were 253 and 260 on the same pitches. So I'm going to bet on a recoil on the off speed just a little bit. Like I, it doesn't need to be a full back to 260, but if it is, if it's anywhere close to that, uh, we're, we got something here, right? So that's what I'm looking for is I'm looking for this jump. Go ahead, Robbie. I just wanted to put this in. Cause I know, I know we're, we're talking about single season. So redraft enters, uh, play for us because a lot of the dynasty value gets put off to redraft. So I just very quickly went to fantasy pros, fantasypros.com, not a sponsor yet. Um, <clears throat> and Alberto Montesi is the seventh third baseman off the board. His average ADP right now, Ty is 67. So wow. you, you tie are, and I, I'm not disagreeing whatsoever. I'm just making this statement. You tie are saying, that Mondesi could absolutely return a top five third base value. And I do not disagree. I He certainly could. He could provide a top five fantasy return if he yeah. is doing what he's supposed to do. The 2018, early 19 version of Mondesi could do this. But he is um, as high as 55 for his average pick in big money NFBC, which we mentioned off the top. And then you get into, uh, what is it? Fan tracks, which uses a lot more dynasty, and that's more our waters we swim in, whereas ADP is as high as 78. So that's yeah. a huge range. But well, if we're talking 30 team leagues, that means by the third round, Mondesi is gone, which means whoever has him values him highly. So it's going to be a hard buy. It well, but keep in mind though, like the really important piece of this around ADP here is Mondesi probably maybe more than any player in Major League Baseball skews because of his stolen bases right Absolutely. so if you're in a five by yep. five points whatever like the stolen bases is going to skew that number significantly because you know if you have a guy let's see let's say like oh yon mancata let's say he's eight let's just say that's his number right his his spray might be 55 to 120 right whereas amondas is going to be 18 to 300 right like there's going to be so much variability uh, and that's exaggeration for the record, but you know, that is the type of variability you're going to see with a guy like Mondesi. And in <clears> most formats, people that own him feel spurned right now, right? They do. Oh, so there's definitely. no way around that. So they spent a ton to get him, or they drafted him really early and they're not happy about owning him and they might have a contract tied to him. So it's an interesting play here. And that's where I talk about the value play all the time. Um, there's, there's value here in, in acquiring or drafting, Montessi and again it depends and we we started the show off of this so I might as well what well, hammer at home like depends on who's drafting around you and the strategy that you have um because that matters in in where you're buying a Montessi yeah and I to be clear I like I love the idea of a healthy Montessi stealing bases at third base because that means we're entering Jose Ramirez territory because there aren't stolen base guys at third base so if you're able to get Mondesi third base is where he's going to play with KC because Nicky Lopez will be shortstop. And then, you know, whatever's going to happen with Bobby Witt and all that fun stuff. Um, Mondesi is set up to be their third baseman. So if you're, I mean, I did this with Otani last year, Ty. People were all falling back on him. And I said, you know what? Live and die by the sword, baby. And my sword was Otani. So maybe that's that's what's going to happen with dynasty owners out there. Just pick them. 
know, if he's your guy, go get him. If if you love Raphael Devers is my example of a guy who I was like, you know what? I liked him and then I didn't like him. And now look at what he's doing. And I'm missing out because I sold him everywhere and I didn't think it was a good investment at the time. And I'm doing other things at third base. Well, maybe I don't want to miss out also on Mondesi. So I'm going to go pay that Piper. Um, I like it. And I, the only reason that I went to the ADP stuff was because so much dynasty value for whatever reason gets tied up in 2022, right? The next season. Yep. Uh, and a lot of that has to do, I think with, competitive teams versus rebuilding teams uh, tie off topic, but very quick. I got an offer in a dynasty league today. It's pitching related, which would be better for the pitching episode of this um, for uh, Shane Baz, which would be five years of Shane Baz and um, a Spino on Cleveland, a prospect who's high K guy, but did not do well when he got his promotion last year. Those are my two guys that I've got five years minimum of each for the next three years of Robbie Ray and the next three years of Alex Reyes. I was so confused. I didn't know what to do. I thought it was a very fair offer, but I, I mean, you've talked about how you don't know that Robbie Ray is going to be able to do anything close to what he's done uh, or what he did in 2021 and moving to Seattle and all those things, although they seem good, there could be some bad. Uh, I did not know what to do with the offer. So I simply just said to the guy, it's a good offer. I'm not quite sure where I sit on it right now. Um, and you because have Baz? Could be one. I have Baz and I have a Spino. So I'm giving up essentially, if we're going to do the old blue Jay thing of years of control, I'm giving up minimum 10 years, potentially 12 seasons of control. Uh, and I would be getting back six seasons of a win now pitcher and a win now closer who also gives up, um, you know, ha has had a half a dozen bad days or more. And, and I just thought it was very interesting. And that's a Mondesi type deal where you're giving up. You know, Robbie Ray, can he repeat? You know, Alberto Mondesi, can he repeat what he's done in the past? Uh, people want top prospects in return. At the moment, I'm just sitting on it. I need I need a little bit more time. I think if I was to do a deal like that, more has to be coming back with Robbie Ray because I think Shane Baz is the real deal. Holyfield, and when we talk prospects, you'll find out that he's inside my top hmm, to be continued. So, so sorry, when, you're, <laughs> when you say Spino, are, you, are we talking Daniel Spino? Yes, with Cleveland. The yeah, so twenty-year-old. Yeah. yeah, so to me, like I'm, I'm very high on Espino. Uh, I'm even higher on Bass. Like, there's a zero percent chance mm -hmm. I, like, with either of those guys in the trade, that I'm open-minded to that because I think, I think Bass has the potential to be a Cy Young winner, um, and I think Espino is. It's too early to put him into any upper echelon, but this is a guy that's carrying uh, a fourteen point five strikeout per nine as a starter in the minors right now. Uh, with just with control your, issues, major control. Yeah, but the issues, VRA so. is trending. The whip is is one point one one eight. Like that's not bad. Uh, okay, let's save this for the pitcher episode. We'll we'll discuss it because by then I will have done something. Maybe I'll put a Twitter poll out. I just want to throw that at you because Robbie Ray polarizing guy, uh, Montesi polarizing guy. So yeah, I mean, if you want right. to throw that trade at me, Mon I will. I'll throw you a bunch of bag of bolts for those two guys if you wanted. That's not. Them. That's not what I'm getting at. A bag of bolts. A Cy Young winner is not a bag of bolts. Everybody. Um. So okay. So shortstop. Now we'll move on to that. So here's the line for the average for shortstop. The top ten. The average for runs was ninety eight point seven. Uh, that's not um, a radio station. The average for RBIs, 88.7, not a public radio station. Uh, the average home runs, 29.5. Stolen bases, 22. Kind of thought that would have been higher, but 22 is still good in today's MLB. And for average, 
299.4 made the distinction because it was higher than uh, first base, which was 299.0, blah, blah, blah. So, Ty, um, who do you have and why? I have Willie Adamas. Um, this is a guy who ranked reasonably high in our, in our five-year rank. Um, I have him 19th. He had 20 bombs in Milwaukee last year, just over 400 at-bats. Uh, the OPS was 886, very strong. Uh, that lineup, you know, I mentioned to Lee's earlier, uh, Yelich should be better this season. Uh, I mean, the, the hope is that he should be better this season or Milwaukee's going to have to start asking some real tough questions of that front office uh, about that contract. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, that lineup's going to be good, and Adamas is a is a good right-handed bat that plays good shortstop. Um, I like this. I think that the trade in general says a lot about what they think about the prospects coming behind him. So job security is going to be there. I just think this is a guy that has all the upside in the world. This is a guy that was supposed to be a high-end prospect when he came up and kind of disappointed when he entered the league. Um, but we know two things about Adamas. Um, he was great in Milwaukee, and he's a natural-born leader. Uh, we saw it in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was sad when he left, but they have obvious replacements. So um, this is a guy that I just think has the potential to be um, you know, almost a Brandon Crawford. Like I think that like a right-handed version of Brandon Crawford, I think is a really fair comparable, um, just consistent at bats, good defense, a uh, little bit of pop. Um, and, I, and I think there's enough to like 25 home runs as an upside here. Um, but I, I like the, the average that is going to come with that. Okay. My guy, and uh, there's some work I got to do here. So hear me out. All right. <sighs> takes deep breath. Uh, Hassan Kim, 26 year old righty with the Padres. He is ranked 28th for me in dynasty last year, 53rd in point total, uh, for shortstop. And with 1.15, sorry, one, 1.51 points per game that put him 68 amongst shortstop. What a crappy rookie year. Ty said this would happen, but I did not listen. I went all in drafting him high in rookie drafts aggressively underline tried to acquire him where I missed out in an auction league where he became a free agent, not available in the rookie draft. I was aggressive on him and in a real money league, I think I tapped out somewhere in the high teens on his annual salary and he ended up going for over $30 and that owner is desperately desperately trying to get out from under that contract right now. And we are discussing how to make that happen. Um, I feel he's ready to take off and it's complicated, but here's why <clears throat> Tatis moves to the outfield for safety reasons. Grisham and Will Myers are the only other two legitimate MLB outfielders on the field right now. And they can stay there. Will Myers can also move to DH if they want to add somebody because they signed Nomar Mazzara tie. Calm down. Uh, yeah, he is, he is thanks to fan graphs, not wanting to look at the reality of the situation. They've put no more Mazar as the starting, I think left fielder. Um, and they've got Myers in right. So, but, but no, like it's Tatis It's Tatis and left do whatever you can to make Tatis. Okay. Right. Um, he's got to sort out his fastball, like how, sorry, not his fastball. He's got to sort out the fastball, the major league fastball, and he needs to increase his walk rate back to somewhere around that 10%, 11% range that it was in the KBO year after year. And he's got to cut that strikeout rate back 
from 24% last year to 15%, which would still be high for him because he is a low strikeout type guy who had a major, major issue last year with it. And and that's that's asking a little bit. Maybe it's asking a lot. But in order for Kim to be successful, Tatis needs to lead, leave the position that is not good for him physically. And because San Diego has put so much money into him, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't give Tatis even like 40 DH days. And maybe it's 40 shortstop days. And maybe it's 60 days in the outfield. And he takes days off. I don't know. But I just see Hassam Kim being the best option as a great defender to be the shortstop this year. But his bat has to pick up immediately. And I know spring training was supposed to start. This was a huge spring training for Hassam Kim. He's now having that taken away from him. But I am just going to bank on it. And um, as we follow this offseason along, you will see that I or will not see. But I will tell you that I have picked him up in additional leagues um, from the ones that I already have him in. Yeah, I mean, for me, like the the stats are still extremely concerning. Uh, the swing hasn't changed a whole lot for me to to get excited about this. Well, um, it went from highlight reel <laughs> to <laughs> to the funnies, you know, the bloopers of the week. Um, that's but that's nothing really time. changed. But nothing really changed though. The profile is still the same. Like the batting average against the fastball. 230 um it's where he did a lot of his his contact obviously highest percentage uh almost 61 percent of the pitches he faced were fastballs which would mm-hmm. be above league average right and that's why he's got to uh, make that adjustment right but here's the thing and this is the part that's concerning the average against the off speed and the breaking pitches are worse significantly worse 159 against the breaking pitches uh 167 against the off speed so to me that suggests he's he knows he's getting beat by the fastball and he's protecting against it and then not being able to adjust right so i think there's an obvious problem here uh there's always room for improvement there's always potential for a breakout i i'm i think you might be at least one year too early on this one robbie if i'm honest with you um I, it I'd won't be, be the wrong. first time I'd love to be wrong here. I just I do, I don't see enough of a trend for the breakout, right? We talked about Bobby Bradley. I've I've been out on Bobby Bradley for as long as you and I have discussed him. Um, but what we looked at tonight in terms of the pitch count um, mm-hmm. gave me a little bit of sense of potential hope here. Um, I don't have that same potential hope here for Hassan Kim, um, and in the signing of Mazera to me, and the the lack of Will Myers trade in this offseason concerns me for the value that Kim could realize that's that's all the compounding things for me well I will say this Jose Barrio with Cincinnati was a guy I'd love to have kind of fought for in this but he's still a prospect so there's a different space and conversation that can be had with him Hassan Kim is no longer in that and to be perfectly honest um, he does not have the clout anymore of being a fantasy darling his average adp is 393 right now and that's across you know the fan tracks yeah. yahoo cbs nfbcs of the world um in and in cbs league specifically for anybody who, out there who plays them i don't know why espn's not counted there must be an issue with fantasy pros and espn but um he is 440 adp in cbs wow. so if you're in a cbs league just know he is not valued, but Jose Barrio is also ADP 425, not being valued. 
that is somebody I absolutely want to wrap my dingers around. Um, Ty, let's move to the outfield. I need a bit, I mean, a bit more positivity in my life. So, um, <clears throat> uh, the average runs for the top 20. So we've expanded the field because we have three outfield positions. The top 20 outfielders averaged 95 runs last year. So we think these players have the potential to be in that category for RBIs 97. Home runs, 34. Stolen bases, 21. And the average is high. I think it's the highest average, 302.6. That's probably why I did the 0.6. Uh, yeah, it is the highest average of any of the positions. So um, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of categories. And just to be clear, if you had a player who was doing all of those things, they're they're not a top 20 guy. They're like a top three, top five guy. Because that is rarefied air to have those. But that's what you're looking for in the outfield. You want to try to figure out who is in that conversation. And right now, we're trying to tell you who we think could be in it for next year. Ty, I know you got four guys. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I'm going to go second because I want to get you back on the positivity train. And I like your pick here. Thank you. Akil Badu, everybody. 23-year-old Detroit Tiger, the lefty. I've got him ranked 51st in my dynasty. So we said the top 50 in dynasty. So he worked. He played both left field and center field last year. Um, I think he's definitely going to be a top 25 type guy next year. Uh, he, you know, was just under all the milestones that people wanted to talk about for good season. 13 home runs, right? So not 15. 259 average, not 260. 55 runs, sorry, 55 RBIs and 60 runs. So he wasn't 77. 70 and 70, but he only had 413 at bats. He also had a period of time where he just wasn't great. He made adjustments, but now with a full season and potentially leading off with Robbie Grossman behind him in the two hole, I can see 20 home runs still coming because the back end of that Detroit lineup is going to be veteran laden and there will be guys on base. Now there's also for some reason on fan graphs, the, um, uh, the written in uh, Spencer Togelson batting in the seven spot. Not sure how that's going to work to start the season when he's going to be at triple a, but that's okay. Um, fantasy pros is doing their best to put together a projected lineup. And when they do that, sometimes people, you know, skew their value. I love the Akil Badu as a leadoff guy on fantasy pros though, or sorry on uh, fan graphs. Um, but anyway, if he's leading off, Easily going to still see 25 stolen bases or more from him. What was it last year he had for stolen bases? 18 stolen bases, so not 20. Like I said, everything was under a line where you'd be impressed, but everything is on the cusp. And then if you think about the fact that he missed, what, 150 at-bats or more if it was a full season, he's easily going to get there. The runs at the top of the lineup in Detroit should be 90-plus, If again, if he's leading off. 70-plus RBIs. Um it's it's just it's going to be a huge season for him, and I think a lot of people that thought, oh, well, good for him, a Rule Five pick that kind of worked out. Well, wait till it becomes a Rule Five pick that's now a stud, and that's what I think is going to happen in twenty twenty two. I I love this guy for what he became. I mean, you were all over him coming out of the Rule Five. Mm -hmm. uh, you you called this one before um, the Rule I, Five. I was saying this is the guy. Here's you did too. In our in our rule five preview, which we love that episode because too bad we didn't right, get it. We're we're right a lot. Right, that we episode, needed that right? episode. This I know season, we're right, we're right <laughs> about a lot of those guys. See Jose Siri, um, if you're curious. But um, you know, this is a guy that I have I have one glaring concern, and it's not an issue yet. Um, it's one that should work itself out. Um, and and it's his splits. Um, he definitely has a platoon split in play right now. Um. 
as I'm dragging on, I'm trying to determine um, whether or not those splits existed in the minor leagues. And I, I don't have an access point to find that. I was going to say, I don't think that's available because I was looking deep dive into uh, Badu to try to promote him sure even more. Uh -oh. oh, I'm so sorry. So sorry, Siri. Um, yeah, I, I was trying to figure out what exactly the deal was. And that's one of the reasons as well. We talked about Detroit having four legit MLB outfielders, Riley Green popping into that conversation, Victor Reyes yeah. as well. Um, there will be movement within until Badu is able to kind of like be the guy. Yeah, I, I do like there was a strong finish in September, right? Which I talk about all the time with young guys kind of having that tail off in the season. Um, you know, he had that injury in August that obviously slowed him down just a little bit, but then gave him mentally a chance to reset. Uh, yeah. Pardon me, but I, we definitely, without a doubt, we absolutely need to see the lefty platoon split shift a little bit this season. Like that has to happen um, for Badu to be a sustainable long-term guy. But the upside's here, the athleticism's there, the power's there. Like all of what you said, Robbie, in terms of could be a stud is 100% there. We just the one thing we have to focus on um, is is he going to become Jesse Winker? That's the question. Which I mean, good and bad within that, right? But let's Correct. let's let's say this is going to be good. Now, Ty, you've got a fascinating pick here. Some some would say controversial. Hit Others me with would it. Say sleeper, <laughs> um, but uh, I'm I'm going to bring Marcelo Zuna back into the picture here. Um, you know. He, he was acquitted, plea dealed, whatever happened with Ozuna. That's yep. not Cleared. what we do here. Let's, let's it's gone uh, in our minds. He's gonna be playing baseball again. Um, this is a guy that in 2020 had a pretty impressive line: 338, 431, 636 for a 1067 OPS. Like these are strong numbers, right? The the 338 mark would have won the batting title this year. Um, and and obviously the selfies on the base path after bombs are completely <laughs> welcome. Um, I'm for, for the swagger. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know how we roll here. Like it's. We can bring it all day. Uh, and Ozuna has it. The power's there. The upside's there. Um, this is a guy that is going to be in redraft formats, drafted significantly higher and get significantly more attention than he will, uh, in the dynasty recoil format here. Um, there's, there's lots room left on his contract, three years remaining, um, in a very strong Atlanta team. And frankly, probably part of the reason that there's even a debate going on of Freddie Freeman, potentially not resigning with Atlanta is that they do have the offense to replace Freeman. If he leaves, Drew um, Lugbauer, is... everyone drew Lugbauer. <laughs> he, he was, no, he was, yeah. a, of course, a of course you have a name off the top of your head. Yeah. <laughs> He was the guy that went yeah, to the yeah. AFL from Atlanta that was first baseman. It's, it's not the guy. Yeah. It's not the guy. Yeah, it's actually Sorry. a guy. Yeah, it sounds like a guy that spends time splitting between the beer tent and the slow pitch home run derby. <laughs> um, you know, Drew Lugbauer, get him in there. But uh, this is just a guy that has too much credentials and in, in back, you know, back pay. Um, he's he's going to be trying to prove something this year. So I like Azuni. I will say this. If you're buying him, let the season start. I think the off, like a season off will require him to get set. The lack right. of spring training will hurt him more than almost any other player in major league baseball. Um, and so I think there's an opportunity to buy him after a slow start. That's what I'd be looking for as a buy. And now if you want to get it solidified, cool. 
but maybe just don't run them out there every day if you don't have to. Yeah. So my next, I've got nothing on that. I think, I think you nailed it, Ty. Um, for, for my next guy up, uh, outfielder, right fielder, whatever. Clint Frazier now with the Cubs, age 27, the righty. I have him ranked 94th. Um, not worth discussing what happened in 2021 because it was ugly. Frazier had medical issues uh, that would ruin any human's day-to-day life. Verdugo, Verdugo, vertigo, um, vision impairment, and general post-concussion syndrome. He tried to also be a professional baseball player. So imagine how difficult that was. Uh, it took the best hockey player in the world at the time, Sidney Crosby, 18 months to overcome his post-concussion syndrome, and he returned to greatness. I think Frazier can become not just an MLBer, but an impact bat. And I may be a year early on him. It may be 2023, but I think it's absolutely going to start to turn this year. If the Cubs let him DH early to ensure he's able to actually recover after each day, you know, check him, check him out. What's going on? How are the fluids? Blah, blah, blah. How are you feeling? Ease him into the outfield. He's an elite athlete. Um, in the meantime, he's going to be able to sort out that at bat in seven, sorry, 475 at bats in 19 between double A, triple A and MLB. He was able to put together that full season. We can trust it. 20 home runs, 75 plus RBI, 75 runs, a good OBP, a couple stolen bases, give us four categories, and definitely for your points leagues, three and a half point per game per potential, which puts him in um, 12 team leagues as a must own guy. Now, this could absolutely be a waiver wire type guy in your smaller dynasty leagues, but if you get into anything bigger, uh, Ty and I have traded him once from me to him in a deal. Um, and then we had the full crap year. So right now, nobody at all cares about Clint Frazier. And that's the way you want it in Dynasty. A forgotten guy on a team that I assume is going to play him as much as they possibly can. So Clint Frazier, I love the idea of him bouncing back and doing good things. Well, and I made that trade with you expecting him to be traded. Um, and, and he eventually went through the whole cluster that he went through and he now finds himself in a good situation. Love this pick. I have him ranked much higher on my list. Ravi, I had him 47. Yes. Um, so I'm, I am qualify for you, but qualified for me for this. Um, I have a pro Clint Frazier position here, uh, already. So I'll go there. Guy that I'm very high on, um, and, and is going to find himself in right field. I have two right fielders, Robbie, just cause I'm cool like that. Um, and I think they both (laughs) need attention. Um, I'll, I'll start with the one that is is probably, the, in my opinion, the riskier of the two that I have here. Um, the one that I just, I'm a huge fan of him as a baseball player. I've watched a lot of games uh, as an AL East guy, and that's Anthony Santander uh, in Baltimore. Again, I'm, I'm very high on the Baltimore offense, uh, way more than most people. Uh, I've said it on repeat for a while. Uh, his 2020 line was, was sneaky good. Uh, 26 home runs. Sorry, not 26 home runs, 261 batting average. Not sure how I got to home runs there. It's uh, a good thing you didn't say 261 because then I would have yes. interjected. <laughs> but, I mean, this is a guy, and I'm going to find the home runs just to get that fresh air in everyone's mind. Uh, he hit 11 home runs in that shortened season. Uh, but he had a very strong shortened season. Um, and, and I like the grittiness. I like the contact. I like the power here. Uh, he spent a lot of time injured last season. And we talked about a lot of other Baltimore players instead. But this is a guy that I think has fallen off radars when he doesn't belong there. A guy that could hit potentially right in the middle of that lineup and, and you know, take care of some business there. So 
I like Santander to to be a a risky but plausible fit to jump into our top twenty uh, in this conversation, Robbie. The guy I have that I think is a little bit more of a surefire guy, uh, the more logical of these two guys that I, for me personally, uh, is Jesus Sanchez in Miami. Uh, this is a guy with light tower power, uh, nine oh three OPS last season. He slugged five sixty four, which is strong. Uh, with a 266 batting average. Uh, but the things that are, are to me, um, the most intriguing is just how uh, he was pushed into the middle of that lineup in, in a team that is still developing, still trying to find who they're going to be over the long haul. Now, this should be a season where they take that step. Um, but what I really like is that he finished uh, September and October with that, that strong line uh, of 266 with the 903 OPS, right? That's that's the big thing is that's what his September was. And he also clubbed uh, eight home runs. So one of the guys that nobody's talking about how strong he finished the season last year, how he, he tur- found that next gear. And I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I've watched a lot of ranks. Like this guy's not getting enough attention in every single format. Um, and he deserves a lot more. Um the strikeout rate in, in that final month was slightly alarming. 35 strikeouts in 94 <laughs> at-bats um, <laughs> is, is definitely a little concerning, but um, he's going to strike but out. A lot of power guys do. In today's baseball, that is not a sin, right? It Three true no. outcome, however you want to you know tell yourself you're, you're valuing the guys. If you're striking out a lot, but the upside of that is power, That means runs, RBIs. So uh, in taking the strikeouts, if your league doesn't take that into account, the three-category ability of a player goes up when they're like, well, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Now, of course, the other side is they do need to still slap the ball into the opposite field when they have two strikes and have a decent average. So, And I mean, if you're you're 600 at-bats for Sanchez with the the lines from last year, uh, he's a 40-home run bat. Right. And that's the takeaway here is that that's the upside here. And that's after a single season with 227 career uh, at bats. Right. So that's what you need to know. Uh, sorry, it's 252 career at bats. Um, but that's that's the upside that's here with Sanchez. Don't wait on this guy. There was prospect shine. It's worn off. Obviously, the strong finish I mentioned. Uh, this is a guy that I think you need to buy as opposed to the Ozuna weight approach. This is a go get now guy. Yeah. And just to put a cap on for Sanchez, he was absolutely a former top 50 prospect across the board. Everybody had him on their list. They were either early to it or they were the, you know, the year in which he came up and got that first cup of coffee. And then everybody just backed the heck off and we're like, Oh, never mind, Not going to happen. But Mm -hmm. again, we've talked about it year after year after year, when you acquire a prospect, and they come up and, you know, it doesn't go well. Uh, I think, was it Jose Devers? Who's the guy that with Miami that came up? Cup of co- I think it was Devers. Came up, did not go well, and then was sent back down. You don't just drop them. You yeah. figure out what's going on. There's a reason why it, they didn't succeed. I mean, Jared Kelnick owners, you know, there's no way that you got rid of them, right? Oh, I guess, you know, Ty, you traded them, but that was in a keeper league, not in a keep forever dynasty format where, um, you're trying to do different things within your season, but you don't just drop and walk away from a guy. You got to, no. if you've invested in him, whether it was a high draft pick or a trade of some sort, you need to roster that player 
beyond their initial cup of coffee, especially if it doesn't go well. So somebody who nobody was really caring at all about rostering was a former Houston farmhand, Brian De La Cruz. Sounds like he should play in Miami. And you know what, Ty? As of August, he did. Um, the 25-year-old righty, my 75th outfield rank. And just so everyone's clear, we did not have him included in our Dingers outfield um, episode, but we are going to discuss him here tonight. He was 67th in center field points overall and a 2.23 point per game in not at all a full season. I forget exactly what it was that he had here uh, for at-bats, 199. So he's got opportunity to not just block the other prospects down below, Blade, you name them, they're blocked, um, but he can actually cement himself as a center fielder and or a backup corner outfield option in Miami. He was traded from Houston, as mentioned, um, who, for whatever reason, happy, uh, Houston was very happy to clear out center field options. Oh, great. That's why, because of Jose Siri. They were happy to get rid of straw and clear out the De La Cruzes of the world because it is Jose Siri time in Houston. And Miami said, hey, let's let him play. So in those 199 bats, he did very well. Um, he had, what was the average here? Two. What was the, the average was high. I, I don't have the average right in front of me, but average and LBP were pretty solid. Um, and I think he's in line for a top, easily a top 25 finish in 2022. He's not going to sniff the top 10, but he could have 20 home runs. There could be 10 plus stolen bases, 70 plus runs and RBIs. A lot of it has to do with where Miami's going to play him. Um, and that's the big thing with Taylor Cruz. Also, depending on your league status and, you know, if you allow rookies in season to be picked up and kept for the year over or they go back into the pool, become free agents, whatever, whatever your league is, however complex you get with it, De La Cruz may be out there. And whoever had him last year might be the only other guy who is paying attention to the fact that this could be an absolute breakout guy who establishes himself and is not 22 years old. So that's that's just my little note here on him. Um, somebody that could come up and out of nowhere and boom, thank you, Miami. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, the next section uh, is my last outfielder here, and that's Michael Conforto, um, which is a guy that I think everybody loved and now everybody hates. Uh, but I think there's just a huge opportunity for him to leave the Mets. And if you read any of Marcus Stroman Twitter this week, oh, um, man, you yeah. know that the Mets organization could not be Worse. Negative Twitter right there. I've tied. Which ironically <laughs> is really similar to the Toronto organization when he left Toronto. Um, Weird how that happened. <laughs> it's funny how the, these trends start to exist. Uh, is it could the possibly player, be the player? Or is it the organization at this point could in time? Possibly. I, we will never know. The constant variable. <laughs> it has to be the inconsistent one, right? Um, but this is a guy that I think desperately need to get out of, of the Mets. I mean, the dream scenario for Michael Conforto is he's a left fielder in Toronto, um, and he is sandwiched between two good hitters. Like, that's what Michael Conforto needs. It doesn't have to be Toronto, but it can be anywhere where he's between two good right-handed at-bats, um, and he's going to get to see the fastballs because he feasts on the fastball. So he is a guy that absolutely needs protection. So if you're – looking at Michael Conforto and you're looking to buy whenever they come up with a new collective bargaining agreement and Michael Conforto signs, you have to do a lot of thought around lineup construction here, because if he's exposed, if he is in a weaker lineup, 
where he's not going to be protected behind him. doesn't matter who's in front of him. So absolutely about who's behind him in the lineup. That's where you need to make this decision. I, I'm assuming he's going to end up on a good team because he's a left-handed at bat. So I think he's going to find a home. Uh, I've said it a hundred times this offseason. Toronto's so perfect um, for Conforto. Uh, we just have to get rid of Gritchick to make it plausible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but at the same time, like... Well, yeah, because that's 10 million bucks, right, with Gritchick. That's yeah, bucks, yeah. So. There's four or five other spots, though, that are logical for Conforto. Um, I just what I don't want to see is him in like Oakland and Oakland gets rid of Chapman and Olsen and then Conforto's Jeez. the yeah, the one year eight million dollar guy trying to rebuild his contract. Like that's the worst thing. I can't imagine very, anybody would go to Oakland to do that, but it's I mean, post lockout, who knows what what's be on the table for him. So exactly, right? So like it's just there's so much variability here, but I I love Conforto in a good lineup. I really, really do. I, I think there's a huge amount of upside. Um, he could be the left-handed bat that replaces uh, Freeman in Atlanta. Like, there's a hundred options here um, that are plausible. Uh, I don't see him as the right guy for Atlanta, but it's it's an option for sure. Uh, so things to look for. I think Atlanta would be happy to get Marcelo Zuno to left field, um, right. but you know, I think there's there's things that can happen here uh, this offseason, and Conforto could be maybe one of the more underappreciated signings that we see post CBA here, whenever that is. And I, I like that idea with Conforto because we know the ceiling for Conforto is awful high. And that's what we're discussing tonight. Ty, my final point here on Brian De La Cruz with Miami, uh, just very quickly, since I was already on fantasypros.com checking out ADP, I went to see where he was amongst outfielders. Now, if most of your leagues play five outfielder leagues, just so you know, he is, that would mean you're, you've got, I mean, if you're in a 30 team league, <laughs> you've got 160 potential outfielders, um, but nobody's doing 30 team five outfielder leagues. I hope hit, hit us up at Diggers Pod if you are a five outfielder 30 team league. My God, my God, the punishment. You must do three catchers. Anyway, oh. Brian De La Cruz is the 142nd outfielder off the board, which means there is no fantasy value for him, even the big ballers at NFBC paying their big bucks are drafting him post 430. So if you think anything at all, like I do, you can wait and see, wait and see, and then get you some De La Cruz um, closer to the season. When, once we start seeing spring training, anything along that line, other guys that are in his company that make no freaking sense. Odubel, Odubel Herrera, free agent, Josh Naylor with Cleveland. Come on guys. Come on. Um, Josh Lowe, who we talked about on the outfield episode as a prospect, also prospect, not close, not close to being taken. Robert Hassel, the third, and, um, then Zach Veen, who again, no, absolutely no point in impact for him this year. So, um, De La Cruz is kind of hanging out by himself and he's right beside Corbin Carroll too, Ty, who we've talked about, um, oh. you know, the Nick Madrigal of the outfield and we don't want Nick Madrigal profiles so in the outfield. I'm going to put you on the spot because I, I want to know what you think on this one. Yeah. Are you suggesting you take Brian De La Cruz over Josh Naylor? <laughs> yes, I am. Ooh. I am saying that. Interesting. Okay. That's a bull take for me. Like, I think Naylor's a significantly better player than De La Cruz, but I like it. This is why we do this. We talk about it all the time. If Rob and I agreed, it would be really boring. Um, but I, I disagree on that one, sir. Um, 
for me, I think Naylor was is it respectfully. Because if you it's, don't do it respectfully, you may trigger me. There's no freaking way it's respectfully. You know this. Uh, <laughs> but point is, I, I think Naylor's undervalued. It probably very similar to the way you feel De La Cruz undervalued. The only thing that I like about Naylor is I love the contact, the the OPS potential from the doubles. Um, and Naylor okay. does have the ability to turn in 30 home runs. It is in there. We need to see it. We haven't seen it yet, but it is in there. So that's that's the only reason I debate it, but I wanted to just touch on that really quick. So, Robbie, I love this episode. This is one that I think is going to be a staple for us moving forward. This is a new one for us. Um, I like the format. I like the style. I like the conversation that comes from it. And we still um, get to do the pitchers as a separate right. episode. Oh, and you're gonna episode. hate you're gonna hate the pitcher one because I'm gonna be right on all my guys. Um, and I'm gonna mention Tristan McKenzie. Guaranteed. And, yeah, and I can't wait for that one to blow up. I'm so excited for that one to blow up. I was, I was actually looking at them today and just going through. And basically, I mean, re- realistically, it's got to be SP3 or later. And because yeah. we're doing anybody that would be outside our top 50 in pitchers who we think could finish inside the top 20. And the names that I compiled, when I looked back at the list, I'm like, it is so ugly but it is basically every dynasty roster that I have outside of a few of the guys that I did the same thing with three years ago. Um, the Alcantara's of the world who, you know, Aaron Savales who are now on my team expected to perform and the odd prospect that eventually becomes Julio Urias. But when we go through, it will be a tooth and nail discussion. And we want to hear from you. If you've got any suggestions, uh, Twitter folks, that's the easiest way to get to us. Uh, at Dinger's Pod and say, here's a pitcher I like. Can you tell me why he should or should not be a potential top 20 finisher in 2022? Yeah, I mean, I'm so excited. Like, because Robbie, you were, if we were debating over which one of these guys is not going to be awful, I, I like your chances. But if we're talking about guys <laughs> that are going to jump into the top 10, Move like, that's my that's my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, it is certainly not mine. I, I am all about the, if they're not injured and 19 things happen, here, here's your dude. Here's your dude. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love it. So that's a great spot to leave, Robbie. Um, looking forward to the picture episode. But until next week, it's been Tyler Rob here on Dingers.